Welcome to the podcast Benzo Tired. I'm your host, Naftal Benesti, and I'm Dutch. Join me on my journey into the world of benzodiazepines, withdrawal, bind, and more. Disclaimer, always consult your physician for medical advice. This is episode 34, Ada V. Adafan, The Cook Report. And today, it's April 26th, 2023. Be advised, this episode can be perceived triggering for some listeners. In this episode, you will be hearing Ada V. Adafan by The Cook Report, which was published in 1988. And after the episode, you will be hearing me and Emma from Beating the Benzo and the Unfiltered Podcast discussing it. The couple who live at number 69 are ordinary folk with an everyday story. She was depressed, her doctor prescribed tranquilizers, now she's a drug addict. The chairman of Wyeth, the drug company which made her tranquilizer, Ativan, lives in a rather different world in Pennsylvania, USA. Oh, bastards, aren't they? To put me through bloody hell like this. Yeah, from what I know, I mean, it's been going on for years like this. I mean, they keep prescribing it and prescribing it, and yet people are going through hell. And yet wives are making money out of it. Yet they don't realise actually what we're really going through. One hundred and seventy lawyers and their clients are now preparing for the biggest ever battle over a drug, alleging negligence in making and marketing tranquilizers known as benzodiazepines and Ativan in particular. The vast majority of people who've been visiting their solicitors in recent months have been complaining about the side effects, the addictive effects of the drug Ativan. The signs to us are that this case has the potential to dwarf recent multiple drug litigation such as Opran. This is the drug, Ativan, chemical name lorazepam, which is estimated to have produced around a quarter of a million addicts in Britain alone. So who's to blame? The doctors who prescribed Ativan, the company who made and promoted it, or both? Well, Ativan is the most problematic of these tranquilizers. produces more severe withdrawal, and more people fail to withdraw from it. I think doctors should stop prescribing it, or even better, the manufacturers should stop selling it. Ativan is manufactured by Wyeth Ahurst of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Wyeth is part of a massive multinational group whose products range from pills to popcorn. But there's a certain pride in Ativan. As the company's latest annual report says, sales are up. Shortly after Ativan was introduced, they advertised it as the way to control patients. Fifteen years later, the Ativan addicts might agree with that. We asked Ada from Nottingham if she could manage without Ativan. No, I have to have them on me all the time. I carry them in my handbag all the time. Ada, why do you depend on Ativan? Because I feel safe with them. If I haven't got them, I think... Oh, gosh, I ain't got me Ativan. Where are they? Where are they? I've got them. So would you swap your packet of Ativan for two packets of the leading tranquilizer? I think if I was going abroad and I got to the airport and I didn't have my Ativan, I would come all the way back home to get them. That's how bad they get Most users agree when the going gets tough, they can't stop taking Ativan. Ativan. Try living without it. The star of that mock commercial was Ada Nissity. She was prescribed Ativan more than a decade ago, following the death of her first husband. I've been taking Ativan for 11 years. When I took an Ativan, about 10 minutes later, I felt all right. But then gradually, as the Ativan wore off, you began to get these side effects with it. 
I mean, you can't keep taking one Ativan after another because you'd be doped up walking around in a daze. I would like everyone to know what the withdrawal symptoms are, and I am willing to do it. I will go through it because I want something done about it. The doctors are easy to prescribe the tablets and everything to you, but there is no remedy at all of getting you off the tablets. And I need help, and I think there's thousands of people out there that really need help as well. And I am willing, I, I will do it myself. I will go through it, although I know what to expect. Ada took her last Ativan at noon one Monday. Well, it's on standby in the viewfinder. I register now. Is that better? Especially That's if you it. get... Her second husband, Emile, was shown how to film what happened. Stopping suddenly is both distressing and potentially dangerous. I feel lousy, really ill. I've been up all night, I've not slept all night. My head is pounding. I mean, last night, all my face round it all went numb. I slapping it like that on my lip. It's numb, it's still a bit numb now. I can't feel anything in that. Would you come outside and do this interview? No way. No. I talked to you in the house, but not outside. I must probably collapse. That nervous? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't come outside. Don't ask me to go outside, please. No, I don't want to go outside. Don't. No. It's worse than getting off heroin, say the experts. My heart's beating 50 to the dozen like that. Sweat's pouring down my back. I'm in thumping headache. My lips are all dry. Dry my... Where it is, I'm sure. Ada is not alone. There are many thousands like her who might well share her agony if they tried to stop. Come on, Ada, let's just open the door. Look, it's a smashing day outside. No. 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 I'm not going out. No. No. Ada's attempt to break away from Ativan followed a consultation with her current doctor. Day four, even the determined Ada had had enough. I have to go back on it because I know I'm going to get worse and worse and worse, and I just don't want it to happen again. I'm hot, Emil. Have it fresh air. I suppose probably land somewhere where I don't want to land. Go really mad and have to go to a hospital or something like that, and I don't want that to happen. When Ativan was first marketed in the mid-70s, there were no warnings to doctors that it might be addictive or produce serious side effects. But we found in Belgium a research scientist who warned at a conference run by Wyeth before the drug was on general sale that a controlled test on 30 patients showed four with withdrawal symptoms. One of these patients had taken about 10 milligrams of lorazepam, which was a rather high dosage. And uh, after 10 days, he stopped uh, this drug abruptly. 
And uh, I think that about 24, 36 hours afterwards, he, he presented a convulsive crisis, which is, should be interpreted as a withdrawal symptom. His warning was ignored, but there were to be more warnings from a number of respected sources. Most significantly, in 1980, Dr. Peter Tyra of Nottingham University reported withdrawal problems with all benzodiazepines and much more serious problems with Ativan, whether taken in high or low dosages. Wyeth, who for seven years had issued no warnings in the prescription notes, finally took notice. In 1982, the advice to doctors was changed to read, avoid long-term use, discontinue gradually and that advice has never been updated. Professor Malcolm Lader questions even short-term use after another recent test. We've just, in the middle of a study, uh, which we actually had people on Ativan for four weeks because we were using it as a control for something else. We wanted to see what would happen. It's very difficult, even at the end of four weeks, to have an uneventful withdrawal, so we've stopped doing that. And I think it should not be used even for four weeks. Bernard Canavan is the American chairman of Wyeth Ahurst, makers of Ativan. He lives in some style in an exclusive suburb of Philadelphia. We caught up with him at his golf club. He declined to be interviewed on the grounds that his busy schedule wouldn't allow it. But there were important questions to ask him on behalf of sufferers like Ada. Hi, my name is Roger Cook from Central Television in Britain. I'm here to talk to you about Ativan. I said, get off the golf course. Get off this, this golf course. course. <laughs> get off this golf course. I'm here to talk about Ativan. Get off this golf course. Would you let the microphone go? Get please? off this golf course. This is Why? private property. Get yeah, the but this off. is a very important subject. There is are it? a lot of patients who are suffering, having taken Ativan, marketed by your company, long after it would seem you knew there were real problems with it. Bugger off. Bugger off. Bugger off or you've still got the chance. Why? Bugger off. No, no, no. Put the golf Get off of me. I want you to explain to us, what, leave the golf club alone. Get the hell out of here. I want you to explain to me on behalf of thousands of patients in Britain. Get the Back in England, the lawyers prepare their case. Already they speak for thousands of people who believe they're hooked on benzodiazepines and especially on Ativan. Essentially, we think this is what's called a warnings case. We should be looking at what the drug companies knew and when they knew it or what they should have known and when they should have known it. We have to go back over the years that this drug has been on the market. We have to look at what is sometimes called the state of the art, how the manufacturers, the pharmaceutical industry, learned the propensities of this particular drug and other drugs like it. The number of people that are involved so far would indicate that this is the kind of litigation that will not go away. And if a sensible compromise can't be worked out, then I feel it's inevitable that we will be going to court. Obviously, one hopes that as the legal system develops and as society realises through cases like thalidomide all those years ago and Operan more recently, that the system really needs to move with the times so that people, little people, individuals who want their compensation justifiably against the large multinationals don't have to wait for years and years. Ada might become the lawyer's test case. Like many addicts, she's been hoarding Ativan, but, of course, she could only get it via her doctor. My doctor prescribed me tablets because I couldn't sleep. You've got confidence in your doctor. I didn't know till ten years later that there was drugs. I didn't know there was addictive. I've got a problem with Ativan, but it's not my problem. It's just someone else to sort out for me. It is not my problem. I mean, the doctors put me on it. They should sort it out. When we finally persuaded Ada to show us her hoard of Ativan, she had six years' supply. Though since last December, the government recommendation has been that patients should only be given four weeks' supply at a time. Ada's hoard was built up from repeat prescriptions without the doctor seeing her. Then Ada's lawyer asked for her case notes. I lost all faith in Dr. Rangwani because that morning on Monday, August the 10th, as I say, I phoned up the receptionist for my prescription. She put me through to the doctor, and the doctor turned around and said, I'm sorry, Mrs. Nisty, no more Ativan. Armed with Ada's Ativan hoard in a carrier bag, we went to see her former doctor. As well as the makers, doctors also face legal actions, in their case, for failing to heed the warnings about Ativan. 
My name's Roger Cook from Central Television. Oh, I wanted no. to speak to you about your ways of prescribing Ativan. Oh, I don't prescribe anymore now. But you had been prescribing it for some people for as long as 11 years. Everyone is prescribing. I'm not the only one to prescribe. But as far ago as 1984, it was known that there were very serious problems with it. Um, yes, since then I started uh, just decrease the and disguise the patients. No, you didn't, because Mrs. Nissity, for example, was yes. prescribed it until a few weeks ago when I... there were threats of legal action, and you only stopped then. No, I warned her so many times. Uh, according to Mrs. Nissity, you didn't, and I wouldn't say yes. that this was entirely I mean... responsible, would you? Look, this is the kind of pills you've been prescribing for her. Because it has been known for, for many years that there have been problems, and by 1984 there was an enormous amount of evidence that I'm it was dangerous. I'm quite aware of the facts, and I always warn my patients, and it's not, uh, I mean, it's up to patients. If they still want it, it's their responsibility. As this leading article in the general practitioner confirms, doctors often blame patients for their Ativan problems. Despite their addiction, they're apparently expected not to ask for more. The article also warns doctors that up to a thousand may be sued for the way they prescribe the drug and that repeat prescriptions without consultation are unjustified and legally dangerous. Over the past month, we've conducted a survey amongst more than 500 Ativan addicts. Asked if their doctors had given long-term repeat prescriptions without consultation, 88% said yes and only 12% said no. One woman who took part in the survey had just been given three months' supply on a repeat prescription without her doctor seeing her. Following severe postnatal depression, Anne Broomfield has been on tranquilizers for 15 years, and Ativan, in particular, for six. The withdrawal symptoms are so dreadful, they're so terrifying, and the fear is the worst. So what are those symptoms like, the withdrawal symptoms? They're so awful because you think you're going mad, and the fear is so... It's so hard to describe it. You are so terrified. You can't bear to be on your own. And you really think you are going mad. And when you tried to come off, were you given any support by anybody? Um, two years ago, I tried to come off. I saw my doctor. And I used to see him every fortnight. And I got down to three, uh, three halves. And um, he was quite helpful. But what did he tell you in the end? In the end, he said... You'll have to stay on them until a substitute comes up. Dr. Pierce, my name's Roger Cook from Central Television. I'm here to ask you about your Ativan prescribing habits. Why have you been prescribing it for Mrs. Broomfield? Mrs. Broomfield, it, it was first prescribed by a psychiatrist and was she'd been under the continuous care of the psychiatrist and she... Has She's been asking you to get her off it, and, desperately. And... Uh, we, she has succeeded with my help in getting it down to about a tenth of what it was originally. This may be the case, but you should have got her off it. You know it's an addictive drug, don't you? It is a very difficult drug to get, to get anyone off, and I have been doing my best. She says that you've been actually saying, give up, you'll be on it forever until they discover a cure, stick with it. That is nonsense. What do you think she's going to do now? What do you think the hope for her is and why are you continuing to prescribe when the recommendation now is that because, it should only be prescribed because, for, for, for because four if weeks? I if I stop them now she would have an acute bout of anxiety and not be able to cope we have tried just stopping it and she goes she gets extremely anxious about it dr pierce's dilemma is one facing doctors all over the country but in his case, and remembering the warnings about stopping Ativan suddenly, there was to be a twist in the story. Well, he rang me and he said, I must stop the filming of this interview, otherwise there'd be no Ativan and I'll have to get another doctor. You wrote it down, what he said? Yes, yes. He said, um, I've done my best and st I'm still trying to help you. What is he? Well, no, because I haven't seen him for about three months. And the last time, um, he just said I'll have to stay on them until there's a substitute. You're obviously frightened of doing this interview, aren't you? Yes, I'm terrified. Terrified. 
and to you, stopping Atavan like that is a real threat. I, I couldn't live without Atavan. I'm desperate to get off them, but I can't live without them because I can't do it on my own. I need help. With an estimated quarter of a million British addicts to Atavan, what can be done for them and how can they be got off? It's extremely hard work, both for the patient and for myself. I, it, it, the patients suffer a great deal. They're constantly in contact. Um, they come back. They take a year to treat. And it's a lot of very hard work. We've brought Ada to Charing Cross to see if Dr. Holstrom can get her unhooked from Ativan. Unfortunately, the treatment is so expensive at £2,000 per week that it can only be available for the fortunate few. Hello, Ada. Dr. Holstrom takes the depressing but realistic view that the majority of men and women suffering from Ativan addiction will be hooked for the rest of their lives. Day four and Ada's withdrawal symptoms are now painfully obvious. Well, she's been in hospital for three days now and She's a lot worse, she's a lot more symptomatic, very anxious, not sleeping, off her food. But that's because we've stopped the Ativan and we've transferred her onto Valium. So she's now taking a rather larger dose of Valium than the equivalent of the Ativan, but we're now cutting it down gradually and uh, hope to have her off it in about 10 days' time. Ada, listen to me. You're all right, you're not gonna faint. You're not gonna faint. Dr. Cowell's help me. Yeah, I'm helping you. You're all right, Ada. Just relax. Relax. Listen to me. You're all right. Let's walk you over to the seat and sit down, okay? In hospital or at home, her constant complaint is that her condition isn't her fault. It was a doctor who gave her Ativan 11 years ago to help her feel better, but she eventually felt far worse, and that was before trying to come off it. You've not had anything to eat. We'll get you something. I don't want nothing. Sorry, I, want. I, I could eat a banana. Could you? Well, that's better than nothing, isn't it? I had some sweet. <clears throat> Ada, how are you feeling now? Rotten. Rotten. I feel really bad. I'm tired. I want to go and go to sleep. Haven't been sleeping well? No. You seem to have lost some weight. Yeah, I'm not eating. But do you think it's going to be worth it? I hope so. I'd never go back on them again. <laughs> Believe me, I'll fight it. I'll get through it. As my doctor explained, that I'm going to get worse to get better. But you are going to make it. Yes, yes. Fifteen years ago, the doctor's witch asked whether there was any clinical need for Ativan to join five other benzodiazepines already on sale in the UK. But it was a lucrative market. Wyeth's product went to number two in popularity and number one for addiction. I think that an ethical company like Wyeth, and they are an ethical company, they, it is not in their interest, in their public image as an ethical company, to continue to be associated with a compound of this sort which is causing these problems. There are alternatives, uh, like even like Valium or any of the others, which are safer and give less problems. But, of course, there's a, an international um, aspect to this, that uh, the, the drug is profitable, and no doubt Wyatt would be very sorry to see their large international profits disappear if they had to withdraw it. Well, that is profits before patients, isn't it? In a way, yes, I think that's so. The question is, when does the, when does the balance tip to the point where the drug should be withdrawn? I would argue that if that point has now been reached, and no doubt Wyatt would uh, argue the opposite. Back on the golf course, the chairman of Wyeth still didn't want to answer questions. I want you to explain to me. I want you to explain. Leave the. I want you to explain to me why it is. I want you to explain to me. I want you to explain to me why it is that your company goes on marketing a drug which you know is addictive. You know it's addictive, don't you? Look, you know the drug is addictive. We're in danger of getting yourself killed. 
in danger of getting myself killed. Well, I'll stand behind it then. Is that all you have to say? Thousands of people addicted to good, addicted to a drug that your company is marketing, knowing there are problems. I wish you could go over the bloody man that manufactured them. I go bleeding gun and shoot him if we're going to bleed in prison to get people out of what I'm going through. They don't really, I've gone through bloody hell. However confident Ada and her husband may be, doctors at Charing Cross say her two weeks of painful withdrawal here may be followed by as much as two years more at home. We hope she makes it. Wyeth, who make Ativan, did offer a proper interview following their chairman's golfing exploits, but then withdrew, saying that the regulatory bodies didn't differentiate between Ativan and any other benzodiazepine. Cold comfort for the tens of thousands of ordinary folk like Ada, for whom a short-term trauma turned into an agonizing long-term addiction. Hi, Emma. So, Ada V. Adavan. Yes. Yes. Um, it's it's very, very disturbing. It is. It is. Yeah. I, I, I mean, one of the first things that I found just baffling was the, the year that it was published. Like, 1988. I was five years old. Five. Oh crazy that is so crazy and also like the fact that they actually go because that's kind of what I've thought about you know in my head I'm like I'd love to meet the people who are actually doing this who are actually selling the pills mm -hmm. and I find you know he goes on the golf course and they're all that they're playing golf and just you know going about their lives and the news reporter's like do you know what's happening to people thousands of people on lorazepam and it's like they're just like I think at one point the guy says yeah I don't care or he says, good, good. You know, they're just awful people. Yeah, awful people. And, well, there's so much to be said. Um, well, one of the things is that Ada, bless her heart, um, oh, yeah. you know, back in the day, this is prior uh, of the, the Ashton Manual. So it was that that didn't exist yet. So she was basically cold turkeying, which we now know is just, you know, super dangerous. Mm -hmm. She's not done, done this way. And, you, you know, her husband records her and you just see these awful, you know, withdrawal symptoms that she's having. She's not sleeping. She's, you know, losing her shit and she doesn't want to mm. go outside. All these things that we know about. Um, mm. I think it's just so brave that she wanted to do it for television, like national television. Um, obviously, after four days, she's like, I'm, I'm, I'm reinstating because this is just, you know, inhumane. Um, so I, I felt that was very interesting. And I think, I'm not really sure about maybe back in the day when this was shot, there was still a patent on lorazepam slash Ativan. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, it's just such an evil drug. Like, I mean, all these benzos are bad, but, you know, Ativan, there's just a few that seems more nasty to me in some way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Ativan, like they were saying, a lot and this could be you know triggering because I was I, I'm obviously still on it so I'm on 0.125 milligram and there was one part where they were like you know some people are just going to be stuck on it for life and some of the doctors were like yeah well you know actually maybe we just can't get you off this and yeah that that wasn't nice to to, to, to watch to be honest because I'm still on it mm -hmm. but I do think that with this very 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 slow taper that you can get there and I think that's what doctors perhaps don't sort of know so they might think oh well you know that <laughs> they might not take into account it might take a couple of years to actually get off it yeah uh, unfortunately sort of they're still enough. not aware they're still not aware that some people take years to taper this exactly so it's like you know they say oh you know this person can never get off this drug but I don't think that's what it is I actually think it's because you can get off it but it's just going to take a long time <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Well, there were a few other interesting things about this documentary, uh, whatnot. Like one of the things that I noticed is one of the professors is Malcolm Later that we saw in that other documentary, the benzodiazepine medical disaster. Obviously, he's a lot younger in that um, episode. Mm. Um, and I guess he, you know, he didn't know everything at the time, but he stated something like. Well, at least he was very firm with like lorazepam. We don't need it. We've got other benzodiazepines already. And he's kind of basically saying like they should just stop making it and stop selling it. Um, so that is on point. But um, I think he does a quote like Valium is safer. We now know that it's not. Um, but I guess he just didn't know at the time. So it was interesting to see him, a younger version of him. Something mm. else that I found super interesting. And I just, I, I this is what really is in my mind, like what happened is you get some in Britain, in Britain, they call them solicitors. So lawyers, you, you, they, they're trying to prepare a case, but nothing's happened. It's still not banned. This is 1988. What happened? Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I just don't get it. Like, because also they're quite kind of, they're quite sort of strong and they're quite brutal. The news reporters, they're like, you know, they go after the people. They keep going back and talking to them and saying, hey, do you know what this, do you know that this is happening? And that lady in the car and saying, you know, and she's saying, oh, I do, I do warn people about the side effects. I do warn them about what happens. And, and then there's all these like repeat prescriptions, uh, you know, and the doctor's not even asking to see people. That, mm -hmm. You know, that's what happened to me. My doctor just kept giving it to me, told me that he gives it to old women. It's perfectly safe. Didn't even monitor me at any point throughout what was going on and just and just prescribed it to me for like a, a full six months. But that happens, you know, obviously to all the old ladies that he's going to have on his books, probably for years and years and years, like Ada. It's just mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. And. I remember going into the the doctors and, and him saying that to me, we give this to old women. And my dad would say, oh, so-and-so's on that down the road and she's about 85 and she's fine. And it's like, but is she? <laughs> is she actually fine? Mm. And, you, you know, you don't know what she's going through. She might she might be having some horrendous side effects and not know what where the hell they're coming from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was also very shocked to see that apparently there, at the time, there was a clinic that tried to help people come off of the benzodiazepines and it was quite expensive. So I think she got it for free because she was doing the episode. Um, quite a young doctor that you see. And for some reason, he knows to switch her over or cross her over to Valium or diazepam. So that knowledge seems to be around, but so quickly, like I think it was like maybe a couple of weeks or two weeks or eight days and they crossed her over to the diazepam slash Valium and then they tapered that. And then basically at the end of the documentary, it's like she's being sent home and she's been told that she may have, you know, withdrawals or, you know, symptoms for two years after this. Mm. Uh -huh. Yeah. And I mean, how crazy is that? And it's like that was on that was on TV <laughs> and yeah. that's being that's being t told to the whole nation. Yes. And it's still happening. I'm sure people probably watched that and thought, wow, that's really bad. And they probably thought, oh, well, surely the doctors will do something about this and it'll probably get taken off the shelf. And it just never has. And then when it talks about how like much money is made from Ativan, and there was a lot about that, about how it's obviously very, very lucrative mm -hmm. uh, for for these people. It's it's obviously making a lot of money. Otherwise, it would just be banned because it's it's so dangerous. I mean, it's baffling. Like I, I, I put this uh, Ada versus Ativan on my Facebook and I did actually have a couple of friends and actually even my mum surprisingly had had you know, uh, watched it and they were just so shocked that it was so long ago um, and it was still, it's still happening now. Yeah. And I'm just so shocked with, um, you know, we saw the other documentary, um, which we covered in, in one of the episodes, which was, I think, 2016. And still, you know, there are these documentaries, there are these stories out there. And at least, I guess, from Ada v. Adavan, we know it was broadcasted nationally. Maybe there were other countries. How come, though, no mm. action has been taken ever since? This is what I think most people being harmed by benzos are still wondering, like, why yeah. is this still happening? They knew. They knew. They've known for so long. Why? And, and you know, aside from that, it's still being prescribed. You're like a good example of that. 
They, mm. you know, the private doctor that prescribed it to you could have seen ADV out of it and be like, hmm, maybe I should not prescribe this horrible drug to my patients. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I just don't understand it. Like, if I, you know, as, as a doctor, you expect doctors to do their studies and you do, you know, do your research and you expect them to not be stupid and have some sort of common sense. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I find so shocking about this is it doesn't take much. <laughs> like, if, you know, I'm not a doctor and I know way more and I can use my common sense in this and think, well, look at the documentaries and all the people suffering and <laughs> like what on earth? And then you go into a, you know, you go to the doctors and they say, oh no, you know, it can't be the pill and all of this. And I know I just couldn't believe I mean, I never, I didn't meet a doctor that said, oh yeah, actually, um, yeah, I think you're in benzo withdrawal, not one. Right. And I think what, what's also shocking and they, and they take, um, a moment to address it in the, in the AWV Ativan is that in the insert pamphlets, originally there was nothing there about possibly addictive or, you know, anything harms, dangers, nothing. And then later on, the manufacturer added like a small paragraph, like uh, avoid um, long term use and um, discontinue gradually. Now, first of all, <laughs> that's still not happening. Like you said, it's just being prescribed and prescribed and repeat prescriptions and refills and everything. So that's not going well, even though probably some of these insert pamphlets are stating that. And then discontinue gradually. I think it's in my insert pamphlets in my country, but what is that? That's so vague. What is gradual? They have to be very um, specific in these insert pamphlets. Um, but I'm just shocked. Like, mm -hmm. I guess in, in Ada's case, when she first got prescribed it, she could never have known that this could happen to her. Yeah, I mean, I mean, neither did we. I mean, I didn't know I was going to die. Yeah, or... <laughs> and the way she, and the way she's then called a drug addict really quite immediately, and she's this poor little old lady. I mean, poor thing. And she's like, you know, this has been going on for years. Mm -hmm. I've been at, and and soon you realize, you know, when when it's happening to you, that you're really in a horrible position of, basically, you're just on your own because no one's going to believe you and they've done this to you and it's it's horrible i mean i remember that feeling thing feeling really angry and feeling you know oh my god i've i've literally been like i don't know if i can swear but you know <laughs> i've you can. i've been you can. fucked over like seriously fucked yeah. over and, and i think we we really see that with ada as well because it's mentioned mm. a few times that she is so angry at her GP that prescribed it to her and she keeps stating in you know the the episode like it's not my problem someone did this to me and they've mm. got to sort it out for me and that kind of feeling I mean I guess we all have it but I guess at least for me I'll speak for myself that I know that I'm not gonna get like the help that I need from GPs or doctors you know basically mm -hmm. we have to become our own advocate and find our information online and obviously when Ada was um, being filmed, the Asher Manual wasn't there, but we've had it for quite some years now, the Asher Manual. And oddly enough, most doctors don't know about it. Yeah, I just, I just don't get it. I don't get the whole doctor, the, the doctor thing. <laughs> because it's like, you know, you don't really have to look too far into the drug. I mean, you, you Google the drug, uh, Lavazepam, Valium, all of them, They've got, you know, a wealth of side effects and a very dangerous withdrawal. And so when someone comes into you and says, hey, I've just stopped this drug and I'm having all these things. I mean, I was called crazy. I, you know, I was sectioned. I, I just wasn't believed at any at any stage. And poor Ada, there she is. You know, she's so brave to have people film her. But you can see what happens to somebody that you completely deteriorate. I mean, she starts to kind of lose her mind. She's scared to go outside. God, to watch it from the outside is really interesting because when you're going through it, it is just some, it's otherworldly. Like that other woman, the blonde one with the short hair. And she says, you know, I'm just so terrified all the time. And it's that fear that you have, just this unnatural fear. It's just something out of a horror film, really. It is. It is. Well, it's just it's just baffling and you know that other lady was really saying i'm desperate to come off but uh, i need help 
and you know mm. she was right really honest and you know there was the th in her case the threat lingering of being cut off by her doctor and then mm. obviously they both didn't know um the doctor is being kind of like hounded by the reporter and then he's like it's not my fault and i tried to help her blah 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 right. um and then he threatens the patient to be cut off um, which is so dangerous. So as we dangerous. Know. But yeah. I guess at the time they they didn't know. Uh, his response was she'll get too anxious. But you know, in my case, if that would have happened, I would have had seizures and died. So obviously mm -hmm. they didn't know a lot of that back then. But I think you know I'm just on board with you. Then like, hey, you know, there's been so many people warning, and you know, then we have something solid. I mean. Obviously, I wasn't really watching documentaries at the age of five, uh, but I'm like, something was on TV warning us for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the doctors didn't notice it and didn't carry it on with their practice and didn't say, right, I'm not going to prescribe this drug anymore. Exactly. That's, that's where it's going wrong is it's still being prescribed. Yep, yep. And I think that's the most shocking thing. I mean, we're kind of benzo wise by now. But then, like you say, if you go on the internet, you will find so much information. Why is that not known amongst doctors, GPs, prescribers? Why don't they know? And like, similar to you, I was not believed um, that mm. I could get so ill, deathly ill from trying to come off of these benzos. Um and they would just literally say to me, like, hey, well, you're you're a rare case. Um, we've never come across anyone like you that is struggling to come off of these drugs. And you're taking an awful long time to come off. You know, mm. it's crazy. If I Google benzo withdrawal um, in Dutch, um, I think there's one or two providers or hospitals that provide a schedule for you to come off. That's like maximum eight weeks. They just reduce your dose by 25% every two weeks or something. It's crazy. I could never have survived it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, a lot of people are taken off these completely cold turkey and they do die and they do commit suicide because of the suffering. It's like, you know, my doctor told me to stop, to stop taking mine. And I think I, I sort of did it in two weeks after six months used. And then I was hit literally with a truck. I mean, I didn't have seizures, but I had, you know, terror, all sorts, insomnia, and it just, yeah, I, I then, I was a complete mess. Mm -hmm. um, but people, there's just a lot of people that I don't, they haven't survived this. And that's what's so sad is there are so many people's stories that they've just lost their lives and in a, such an inhumane way. And nobody's spoken up for those people and nobody's saying, hey, like, this needs to stop. Exactly, exactly. Um, and wouldn't it be fascinating if all these documentaries that have already been made and already been published, and you see these people going through it, if they would maybe collect those and make like one big movie out of that and just show it to a lot of doctors and people or just like, you, like we said in a previous thing that we did together, like, there needs to be more media attention, it needs to come on Netflix or something, you know, we have to really wake up the world because it feels like the world is asleep in terms of benzos. If you're not being harmed, it's like, what is a benzo? I didn't know what a benzo was before I took it. I didn't know this kind of torture and agony even existed. Right. I mean, who would even, there was absolutely no way. And I completely get why, you know, my friends often, they don't really understand what the hell I'm talking about. And they probably think she's got a bee in her bonnet and she needs to shut up. But, if, if they knew the the deep deep suffering that people go through and and what it actually feels like you know you don't forget that in a in a hurry <laughs> when you've been mm. through it and you just and you just want you have that compelling want to to make this stop mm -hmm. like i just don't want anyone to have to ever go through this ever again Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i think you know i think we're doing our part trying to spread the wor uh, word and you know, trying to spread awareness about it. So I think, you know, we're trying, at least we're trying. And hopefully, if enough people try, things will happen. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, let's hope. If enough people try, we keep talking about it. Or there's just more stuff. So like, you know, I, if someone's going through it, they can Google it and be like, right, what the hell is going on here? Like, what's happening to me? And they yeah. can Google it, and then they can find the information. Yeah, but it, it does lead, and I, I think I heard someone say this, and I, I, I can't remember where, but I totally agree 
with that kind of mindset, I think when you go to a doctor initially, you trust your doctor that he is not going to poison you or make your condition worse. Um, so that's that. And then so we go to our doctors, we get prescribed a drug and not being warned about it, what could possibly happen. Then you go home and you're probably not in a good state because else you wouldn't have gotten a benzodiazepine, I, I guess in most cases, not every case. But let's say you would look at your insert pamphlet. It does mention a lot of side effects, but it doesn't fully say what happens to, to people like us. Years mm -hmm. of papering, years of, of symptoms possibly permanent symptoms. It do doesn't say any of that. It doesn't say like, hey, if you're really struggling to come off, you know, visit mm. the Astro Manual or Google it. Because my, the core of what I'm saying here is, is that nowadays we can't trust our doctors anymore. So even before we take a drug, we have to go online and see how it's affecting people. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, who knew? If I had known that the side effects I was feeling was part of, of a withdrawal, because because they're so severe and because you think you're going mad, it's like, well, you know, you don't know. You're like, well, it must be me. And there's no one telling you that it is it is a withdrawal side effect. So then it's just the most awful thing to, to do to somebody. Yeah. I think I have a vague memory of when I tried to come off of the benzos and I got so deathly ill that I did check the insert pamphlet and it said, well, a few, all of the symptoms that I had were in there, but not nearly all of them. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm reading this and that. It didn't, you know, for me that the whole death thing is really missing in my country. I know that the FDA in, in the US has done a, a black box warning in 2022, I think, or 2020. Anyways, um, they do mention the, well, the word life-threatening if you quit abruptly and whatever. But I'm like, I think we have a right to know, like when you buy a pack of cigarettes, it will tell you, you can die, you know? And mm. I feel like it's, if I, like like in your case, if I would have known, and, and mind you, I was desperate. I, I hadn't slept in two months, barely. I was very desperate for anything. But if I would have known what these drugs really are, I would have just taken them for, I don't know, a few days, maybe a week, but then like, okay, mm -hmm. this is not a permanent solution. Um, this is some dangerous ass shit. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. then I'll have to look for an alternative, but I would have never taken it so long. And because, you know, in my case, in my experience, they're so stealthy. You don't know that you're being compromised by the benzos initially. And I, mm -hmm. I can imagine why people think like, oh, this is a miracle drug because I'm sleeping again, or I feel calm. I'm not, I'm no longer stressed or something, but over time, it will make your problems a thousand, if not a trillion times more worse or bad. A hundred percent. And it's so, yeah, like, and it can happen slowly. Like you're like, oh, I've got this really, really unnatural kind of feeling of like anxiety. And then the anxiety turns into terror. And then the terror turns into insomnia. And then the insomnia turns into, gosh, I haven't slept in six months. I'm starting to hallucinate. And like, you know, it can really just go downhill quite quickly like mm. ada there you know she stops eating she's not sleeping i mean she's in her old age how is she supposed to get through that it's like right whoa. well what i found particularly what i found triggering about the episode is when she actually cold turkeys and you just see all these symptoms that we know or mm. we can relate to but she has definitely she has akathasia because you know, you can see her kind of like moving restlessly and pacing around. She doesn't want to go outside, um, like a, a, a massive headache, no sleep and like, oh, gosh, that is, you know, it reminds me of a, of a very dark personal time that I had just like her. So mm -hmm. that was pretty, it's like right on the money, you know, now we know that this happens, but, you know, she must have been so scared and so overwhelmed, um, as you can imagine. Yeah, because also it feels like, when is it going to end? You know, no one can go through that for like a day, let alone two years or yeah. three years or four years. Mm. Um, I mean, God, I'm just, you know, I can't wait for the day that one day I won't, I won't be taking this. But mm -hmm. yeah, I, I still think, Christ, what will I be like when I get off it? Yeah, same. Although, even though, you know, I'm, I'm still not in the clear, I'm very hopeful for myself. But I think I would love to see the day 
where we get stickers and all of these boxes of benzos and basically like the skull, like with the bones, like poison, beware, something like that. Like, be mm. careful. This can fuck up your life. <laughs> like very explicit on the box. Like this is no joke. These benzos, they can cause death and they can cause a whole lot of trouble. Take yeah. no more than a few days or something very specific on a box. Mm. Like, so even if your doctor's like it's perfectly safe i give it to old ladies all the time but you're like hey but dude there's like a big fat warning on the on the box um yeah like <laughs> what's this um yeah what is what is this in <laughs> yeah. fact the um the documentary that i'm making there was a little bit in it where we've made a kind of i'm kind of saying this is and this is the razapam um it's supposed to calm you and make you go to sleep and then I'll be like, but it almost killed me, gave me psychosis, gave me akathasia. So I'm like kind of doing it in a like, you know, sarcastic way. Is mm -hmm. it to say you could you'll go in, the doctor will say, it will it'll help you. Um, where actually it gives you, well, a horror show, pretty much. Yeah. And also I think, you know, the process of how this usually goes, you get prescribed a benzo and they just don't check up um with you. What should ha be happening if they would give you a benzo and there's a crisis or whatnot, they should just give you a few pills. But then it's like a, it's a one way ticket now. And I don't agree with that. I think, OK, you're obviously as, as if I would be a doctor and if I would prescribe a benzo, which is a big if. But if I would, I'd be like, OK, I'll give you two tablets. But then I want to mm -hmm. I want you back in the office. You, you will sleep a little bit. But then we're going to have to discuss, you know, a more a holistic approach because this is not a long-term solution. I think it should be made very clear. I think in the U.S. they're working on the term infor informed consent. Um, but I would go further and be like, okay, this is just for a couple of days and this is super dangerous. Um, are you sure you want to do this? Um, but, you know, mm -hmm. come back and let's talk about your situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Because um, obviously I'm, you know, I am actually taking measures now to go after my doctor I won't give obviously too much information um but the whole thing was or is is actually if a doctor doesn't monitor you so they're going to give you something like this it's pretty full-on full-on drug to give and then they don't monitor you that is actually completely negligent not only is it by giving the drug in general like long term but if they don't monitor you or check up on you then that is like a big no and that happens all the time it happened with me and i mm. am sometimes still contemplating to go after my doctor ironically yeah. he is still my gp and in my situation and in my country it's very difficult if not impossible to just switch gps even though by law i should be able to but they're just being dicks all of them um so yeah i if i need care if i need something i still have to go and see him the guy that well for a part ruined my life and there were, there's definitely a lot of negligence on his on his end, not only prescribing me massive amount of benzos for many years, but also somewhere in my story, I'm like, okay, I think the I, I, I wasn't even aware of benzos. I'm like, this drug isn't working anymore. Give me a Z drug instead. He never once said, well, hey, that's dangerous. You can't adjust. You cannot quit cold turkey with benzodiazepines. You can't. He was like, sure, here are your, here are your Z drugs. And then a week later, I'm in a psychosis and... You know, and he's like, okay, this is getting too intense for me. So I'm going to refer you to an addiction clinic. So, so easy to brush off. Like, oh, you're becoming a problem now. And, you know, I don't want to deal with you, basically. Mm -hmm. I still have to, you know, deal with him. That's kind of, you know, I have to really get in the zone if I'm seeing him. Because, you know, I've had very, very dark thoughts when I got very sick. I was like, the, this is the band re responsible. I want to mm -hmm. do bad things. You know, I have a lot of anger and rage towards this man and rightfully so. Um, and that's also an interesting thing that you would say this because as, as I've said, they do discuss in the documentary about like legal actions and everything. I just wonder why it's not happened yet. I think now all of these benzos are generic, so you cannot sue the manufacturers anymore. Um, you can go after your GP and yes, you could get maybe compensation or get him barred from his practice or something like that. But mm -hmm. in my opinion, the biggest, well, boogeyman is the government because the isn't the government supposed to protect us? I mean, 
I think most governments have war on drugs. This should be another war that they should be they should be banning these benzos in the way that it's being used right now. So I I kind of in the end blame my government for not protecting me from this. Mm, I mean, a hundred percent. Like that should just be huge, like a huge no, just no, on the whole thing. Um, like you know this there's just there's enough there's enough like evidence out there now and there's a I mean I just don't get it it's it's baffling really I can't quite work it out I think Mm -hmm. maybe because it's obviously money is made by these drugs and then the whole withdrawal there's no I suppose there's no money to be made from someone in benzo withdrawal because there's no like (laughs) there's no cure you can't give them more medication Mm -hmm. um so maybe there's that's why there's not that much of an interest in it. I think maybe of... there's a fear. Maybe there's a fear on a political level or, you know, medical level. Like, wherever would we be without our tranquilizers, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. oh, what would we do? What would we give them, you know? Um, maybe that is something that they are considering, like, oh, but if yeah. I'm... Yeah. And, you know... Like a quick I, fix. It's, yeah, so... I mean, I think the government, maybe these are just thoughts, like maybe a holistic approach and actually making and having time for your patients other than the seven or 10 minutes that you get, Um, you know, it's like, hey, you're going to need help, more help than I can provide you with pills or medical something, you know, Um, maybe that's like, oh, that's going to cost us a lot of money if we're going to have to hire a, a lot more psychologists and psychiatrists and actually get to the root cause of the issue, blah, blah, blah. It's easier just to get that quick fix and send them home and hope for the best. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think we, and we're a big group, we're just collateral damage because I do believe that there are people on the earth, maybe more so than us, that do come off quite easily and don't get all these symptoms and maybe like, ah, you know, maybe 20, 30% gets deathly ill or die, but, you know, collateral damage. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe more, if there's like a movement, you know, like Black Lives Matter or all the movements that have happened over time, there needs to be like a huge movement about this. And I think maybe it's that a lot of people are on these drugs and they actually are relying on them and they're in denial and they think that actually they are good for them because there's such a big scope of like people who are on them and doing kind of okay, and people who are having a really, really bad time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it is, and that's like, and I was on them for years, and mm. unknowingly, I thought that, you know, the second benzo that I was on for the longest time till now, um, I thought, oh, this is, well, you know, as you know, I, I thought it was a medication. I didn't, um, I wasn't under the impression it was a drug and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, this is a medication that I'm getting for insomnia because of my tinnitus, blah, blah, blah. I thought I was going to take it to the grave. I I thought I was going to have to take it for the rest of my life. Um, Mm -hmm. So it is really stealthy. Problems really um, got, you know, as you know, over time, they stopped working. And now with the gift of hindsight, I'm like, actually, I was never really okay on benzos. I was just, you know, stabilized and I was not in that panic mode that I was before. But over time, it just got worse and worse and worse. And there's yeah. there was no intervention that my pharmacy apparently had sent a note to my GP expressing their concerns about my benzodiazepine use. He did nothing with that. He did nothing. He told me when I was in a psychosis. Wow. <laughs> Again, negligence, so much negligence, you know, how hard is it? Even if I would be in the zone where I'm thinking that the benzos are useful or helping me, like you said, like there's no intervention. There's like, hey, um, I want to see you every month or six something. Any any time, I want to have a chat with you about your benzos. Are you really okay? Are you really happy? Are you having symptoms? Are you aware of this and that? Like nothing. They would just he would have just prescribed it to me till the end of time. You know, end of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just insane how this works. So, but um, to wrap up, I think, you know, um, hat off to Ada for being so brave. Um, I guess yeah. one of the first on camera trying to make a difference, um, you know, a 100%. ton of respect. Yeah. You know, I was watching it thinking, wow, what a strong lady, you know, because we all know, we know what she's been through. Um, and it takes an incredible amount of strength to talk about it and to, you know, she really did. She was out there for everyone to see. So... 
There and she well, is. she's Get probably no longer with us. I can only guess, but um, mm. at least this is her legacy. You know, her work, her, exactly. her journey, her stories out here. Also through my podcast, your podcast, your website uh, on yeah. YouTube. She lives on now. She lives on. Um, well, it was lovely to chat to you about this. And anyone who hasn't watched Ada versus Atiban, please do. And if you do have friends and family who just do not get this, maybe even a doctor. You know, this is a really good thing to show somebody if they're willing to watch it. Definitely. Thank you yeah. so much. And we'll be in touch. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the episode. Be well, be safe. Remember, it's not a race. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, go to paypal.me slash